Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. Um, we're jumping back into what I started a few weeks ago, uh, walking through the Gospels, though in a chronological order, using the harmony of the Gospels to lay out the story of Jesus. Um, we've covered a few things at this point. Tonight, I'm going to actually skip um, his birth, and we're going to save that when we come into December, but we need to go to where the last time, the last place where we left off was when uh, Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, she's six months pregnant with John the Baptist at this point, Mary comes in and at her greeting, remember that Elizabeth, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the babe leaped in her womb, and then she says, uh, wow, who am I that the mother of my Lord would come to my house? And she had that revelation because she was filled with the Spirit. She had no news that Mary was pregnant with Jesus, with the Son of God, except in the moment she was filled with the Spirit, she got revelation. And so then Mary's response here in Luke chapter 1 and verse 46 is, is really, really powerful. Um, did Mark Winchell leave? Did he leave? I was going to... It was really good to have him up here tonight. Would you just tell him that? I really enjoyed him. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. Why don't we just say that together here tonight? Now, this is, let this be our confession. Let this be our declaration and our praise. For, ready? Read. But, but it's you making it personal to you. We're not just quoting Mary. Her story, this is our story too. Right? Ready? For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. That's beautiful. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped, helped, helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. What a powerful, powerful proclamation. This was her song to the Lord. And the word helped here, I want to give this to you because it's so powerful. It, it's it's got a, a real specific uh, uh, definition to it that, that might not really be seen when we just say helped. The word helped here means to lay hold of. It means to hold fast to or to embrace, to take to. He has embraced Israel. He has laid hold of Israel. Now, that's a powerful thing because we understand something about the hold of God. When he takes hold of you, he don't let go. Go to John for just a moment, and we'll see what Jesus says here. God in the flesh, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my 
Father's hand. Isn't that beautiful? So what, he's, what Mary is declaring here is that he has laid hold of us, and that will never change now. Our relationship, God's relationship with Israel is no longer up and down, up and down, up and down. Now he has brought them into his grasp, into his hold. He even told Israel in the, in the book of Isaiah, he says, I have inscribed your name in the palms of my hands. It was a massive declaration she was making here. Verse 55, as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. She's, she's remembering what God had spoken in time past, generations before, to the father of all of our faith, that this covenant God would make with Abraham would never end. The law came and the law was fulfilled. As Hebrews says, that it has now been it's faded out to a greater glory. But God has kept that covenant with Abraham, that covenant of faith. Well, we're all brought into this deal. We're all brought into this covenant by faith. Amen. To his seed forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her house. Okay, now, now we're going to jump down to verse 57 or just go down to the next verse. Now Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered and she brought forth a son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was, remember, she was old. She was advanced in age. She had been barren, and the Lord visited her and caused her to conceive through her husband, Zacharias. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child, and they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias, which that's what they did. That's what they did. The oldest son took the father's name. And so it was assumed by everybody that he would be Zach Jr., but not so. His mother answered and said, no, he shall be called John. The name John is a beautiful name. It means Jehovah is a gracious giver. Jehovah is a gracious giver. My dad had a pretty miraculous story coming into this world. His parents... Um, Parents back then, back in, back in the olden times, they didn't name their children usually until they saw them because they didn't have a, a peak to see what this baby was, what sex this baby was. They had to wait till they came and then figure out, okay, it's a boy, so we're going to name it this, or if it's a girl, we're going to name him this. But, you know, they would pick maybe a boy name or a girl name in hopes of having one or the other, which usually that's what you have. Don't let this day and age confuse you. They're confused. You're not. Okay. But my grandfather wanted to name my dad John. And um, because it was, it was after his uncle. He, never, he didn't get to really see his uncle very much. His uncle was a preacher, and, uh, but he lived quite a ways away. And so my grandfather always uh, was endearing to him and, and loved the name John. But my grandmother wanted to name my dad Patrick because she had this doctor it was named Pat Lawson and she was, well, she kind of had a crush on him because he, he was a handsome man, military doctor, just had all the bells and whistles. And uh, so they were in disagreement over this name. 
whether his name would be John or Patrick, and they had several arguments. The morning my dad was born was a Sunday morning, like 1 o'clock in the morning, somewhere around there, and my grandmother didn't show up at church that day. For some reason, she didn't go to church. And so the pastor, seeing that my grandmother was not at church, he knew she must have had the baby. So Pastor H.D. Morton, after service was over, got in his car and headed out to the house where my grandparents lived at the time. And unfortunately, my grandfather had to leave out sometime that morning because his father, my great-grandfather, had had a wreck in Louisville, Texas. So we had to go pick him up. And uh, so Pastor Morton shows up at the house and... Uh, comes in and calls for my grandmother, and she's back in the back bedroom, and she says, I'm back here, Pastor. So when he made his way back there, he walked in, and he saw my grandmother holding my dad in her arms, and he, the Spirit of God came on him. And he lifted his arm like this, and he said, Thou shalt call his name John. And my, it shocked my grandmother. And then she said, Have you been talking to James? He had no idea. He didn't know what they wanted to name him. He had no idea about their argument over this. He said the Spirit of God came on him. My grandmother said, okay, then his name is John. I mean, she'd fight Grandpa all day over it, but she just couldn't fight God. She was going to fight the pastor. She knew she'd be fighting God, so they fully accepted that. His name would be John. Remember, the angel told Zacharias that's what his name would be. John, Jehovah, the gracious giver. But they said to her, verse 61, There is no one among your relatives who is called by this name. So they made signs to his father. Remember, Zacharias at this point, as the priest, is mute because he doubted what the angel said. So the angel said, All right, we're going to keep your own mouth shut. You know why he did that? Because there's power in your words. And you want him speaking, let me start all over. David, that would be the e-break, right? Emergency break of the week. <laughs> now I'm totally off. He had gone mute because God would not allow this priest, this actually high priest. So when he spoke, he spoke for God. He was the spokesperson for God, and God would not have him speaking Doubt, fear, unbelief. So he shut him up for a little while. And so they signed to him what he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened. Isn't that awesome? And his tongue loosed, and he spoke, praising God. Then fear came on all who dwelt around them, and all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was on him, that is, was on John. Now we're going to keep reading. Stay with me. Verse 67, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Isn't that interesting? You see this many times throughout the Scriptures, even in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, that when someone was filled with the Spirit, they prophesied. Saul the king was filled with the Spirit and prophesied. 
there were these moments where people were filled with the Spirit and the response was prophesied. And the Scripture would say something like, even though they had never prophesied before and they never prophesied after. Because the, the, the relation, relationship with the Spirit then was He would come and He would leave. He would, and, and, and so He would come and visit for a while. And don't you know it was good when the Spirit came on Him? And then He would leave. Can you imagine that? Imagine that kind of experience with God. That's why David cried out in the book of Psalms, chapter 50. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. You and I have an ever-present spirit, always abiding, always living in us. The hand of the Lord was on him. Okay, so he says, he's filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. What does he do? He goes right back to Abraham again, to the fathers of our faith, to that covenant that God made, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear, in holiness and righteousness. I like that. Isn't it interesting that Mary said that, that those who fear Him from generation to generation, but Zechariah said, without fear. Without fear. So she's talking about one kind of fear, and he's talking about another. She's talking about the fear that we all need to walk in, that reverence and awe of our God, that is really Faith in God. Faith in God. Believing Him and Him alone. And, but he's talking about the kind of fear where you just never know. Afraid of God. Afraid to approach Him. Because of that system that was keeping them from receiving the fullness of redemption. Isn't this interesting? In holiness and righteousness before Him all the days of our life. And you, child... He's speaking to John, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins. So what did John do? He went, he went around, and what did he preach? He preached what is called the gospel of the kingdom. And that gospel was repent and be baptized. Repent and be baptized. And John went about making way for the kingdom, making way for the king to begin to set up his kingdom in a sense. By the remission of their sins, through the tender mercy of God with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow, what are these words? These words came upon them. This revelation came upon them because they were filled with the Spirit. Now let's go to Luke chapter 2. In verse 41, Luke chapter 2 opens up with the story of the birth of Jesus. So, like I said, we're going to skip over that for now. We'll come back to it in December. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the Feast of the Passover. This is speaking of Jesus. <clears throat> and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company... So they, they all went like in a pack of family and uh, 
they, they would travel that way, and so they apparently assumed Jesus was with Uncle Bill or, you know, somebody. And so they make an entire day's journey, right? They're walking. Entire day's journey. And then, uh, so they start asking around. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey, look at this, uh, and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. So it's a, they're a day away, now they've got to go a day back. Now, so it was that after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. He's 12. So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. Do you blame her for saying that? I mean, I don't know about you, but if I was Jesus and my mom, Ann Holler, walked into the room, she would not have been that nice. She would have come grab me by the ear and pulled me out of there and whipped my behind all the way back home. Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. We, we've been in pain over you. We, this has been excruciating. We've been looking for you. We've been tormented by this. Amen. Right? I can remember um, when we were, we were downtown McKinney, and we had um, our church in the storefront there, and then we had the other building, the old federal building, um, where we had our offices and youth uh, facility and kitchen and all that stuff. But uh, Dylan was, he was little bitty, three or something. And so we'd just bring him up to the office, and he'd kind of run around. And I, one day, uh, I couldn't find him. And I'm walking around there, and it, I mean, he's little, so it wasn't easy for him to open any doors, really. So he should have just been kind of within the proximity of where we were, but I could not find that kid anywhere. And I'm walking around, Della, Della, Della. And, and so I thought, did he go outside? How would he have gone outside? And sure enough, I go out the back door that goes to the parking lot back there. But I, I looked, there was a little window in that door, and when I looked through that window, I, our car is sitting right there, and I see a head pop up in the car. And sure enough, I go in there, and there he is sitting in the car. Thank God it wasn't 100 degrees outside. He had overheard us saying that we were about to go to lunch. So somehow he just made his way out the door and got in the car and was just sitting up there waiting on us. I mean, that, that was like five minutes of looking, and I'm like, <gasps> I'm, I'm an anxious mess. I cannot imagine three days. They're looking for him. I mean, they're fit to be tied, right? And mom comes in, what have you, why have you done this to us, son? You know, I love what Jesus says here. I don't think mom appreciated it too much, but, and he said to them, why did you seek me? Do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Verse 50, but they did not understand the statement. No, they didn't understand the statement. Which he spoke to them. They didn't look, look, at, look at the Amplified. Bring up the Amplified version of that. And he answered, why did you have to look for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? I mean, where else would I be, mom and dad? Now remember, he's 12. So he's coming into what's known as his bar mitzvah. Son of law. And so he's going to have to spend a lot of time in the temple. And this is where the boy becomes a man. And he's already in that transition. And Jesus has already made the first decision as a man. 
of where he is going to spend his time. And it's interesting, she said, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And Jesus said, I'm doing my father's business. And that's where there's somewhat of a separation here. Mary is having to accept the fact that this is the Son of God. And in 12 years, He's been my son. And maybe, maybe that kind of got lost in the familiarity of everything. But it was stunning, I'm sure, to hear these words from Him. Isn't it interesting that Jesus said that where He was, where was He? He was in the temple. And He says, this is where the Father's business is. And I'm here to do my Father's business. Never underestimate being here right now in the house of the Lord. This is where His business is. Listen to this. Jesus says, the Father's business is in the Father's house. So He understood this at the age of 12. And so He made it a custom where He was always going to the house and, 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 and was zealous for the house of God. You remember when He formed the whip and drove out the money changers. And he says, you've, you've made this place, my father's house. It's a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And he drove them out of there. And, and they remember that scripture, that zeal has consumed me. Zeal has overcome me for the house of God in the temple or the house of God. Well, what is that today? It's us today. Paul teaches Timothy. Look at this. Are you with me? 1 Timothy 3.15, But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. This is where God's business happens. The house of God is the church. If you don't know what the word church means, because there are a lot of funky ideas about what the church is. This world has all kinds of things to say about the church. Religious people have all kinds of things to say about the church. People that don't like the church have all kinds of things to say about what the church is. It's the word ecclesia, E-K-K-L-E-S-I-A. And this is the definition of church in the scripture. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place, an assembly. That's the main definition of church. A gathering of citizens called out from their homes into some public place in assembly. Right here. So what the scripture says is what we're going to believe. It's the truth about what the church is and who the church is. There is the church universal, but there is also the church locally in gatherings. And we do this so that we can see the bigger picture of what we're really going to see when we're all together. God wants people gathered. He wants people gathered. Gathered together. Praising His name. Gathered together in a, in a corporate setting because there's something special that happens when the people are gathered together. It's different from our own personal relationship with God, right? I mean, that's cool in and of itself. But there's something special, there's something different about this kind of atmosphere. Like what we could do with Matthew tonight. The body ministering to the body. 
Listen to Ephesians chapter 5. This is so important. Jesus, at 12 years old, he got it. I got to get to the Father's house because that's where the Father's business is. That's where the Father's business is. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. What did that tell us? Jesus loved the, loves the church. I'm, I'm quite sure, I'm quite sure that it's just near impossible to love Jesus and not love the church. How can you love him and not love what he loves? Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. This is Paul talking to church leaders to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Look how valuable the church is to God. He purchased it with his blood. Wow, the church is so valuable. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church. So what does that t- teach us about the church? How God sees it, how God has op- uh, uh, put it in operation. The church exercises Jesus' authority in the earth. And Ephesians 3.10, to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. You know things that the devil doesn't know. The church has the inside scoop. It's always ahead of the devil. That's why he's always trying to play catch up. But he can't beat the church because the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Jesus said, I'll build it. And whatever he builds, he finishes. This is not a failing project. This is a winning project. This is a victorious project. And I am blessed to be a part of it. Where else did you expect me to be, Mom and Dad? Where else did you expect me? Why did you look for me anywhere else? This is where I am. Because this is where my father does his business. Amen. I love, his, I love his zeal for it. I love his commitment to it. And even as a man here on the earth, he wanted to get to that gathering. Now you're here on Wednesday night. That speaks well of you. That speaks very well of you. There's something about the house. You want to be here. You want to be here. I like Wednesdays a lot. I almost like Wednesdays better than Sundays. And never forget, this is where his eyes are and his heart is. Always. Where you are. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for that you've called us. You said in your word that we've come to Mount Zion. That is the city of praise, the city of our God. We've come to the church. The church. Mm, Thank you, Lord. Whose names are registered in heaven to the saints. This is what you've brought us into. And what you are doing, your business in the earth, God, is being accomplished by gatherings like this all over the world. When your people assemble together as the body, Lord, the power that is there, the anointing that's there, the flow of the Spirit that is there, the ministry that's there is so wonderful. It's life-changing. This is the gate of heaven house of God. And Father, thank you that you've called us all to it. 
And in this place, we find our eternal purpose. We find our connection as members of the body of Christ to receive from one another and to give to one another, to fulfill the law of Christ by bearing one another's burdens. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful fellowship that we experience when we're together. And I thank you, God, that you paid a high price for it. You bought us with your blood. And this is what you love. This is what you're building. Help us to remember that, God. To remember that this is of utmost importance to you, that we are of utmost importance to you. This is so important. So, Father, I thank you that you accomplish things here by your Spirit, things seen and things unseen. Thank you, Lord, for every individual that's here, every family that's here that's represented. And I pray now, God, for the peace of God that passes all understanding to guard their hearts, guard their minds, guard their marriages, guard their children, guard their family, guard their conversation. Thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you give them wisdom beyond their years, that they are continually tapped into the flow of the wisdom of God. You said you give it liberally to those who ask, those who ask in faith. And we're asking you tonight, we believe you, God. We need your wisdom. We cannot live this life. We cannot have the experiences, God, that we know that you've offered for us to have without your wisdom. We can't find that in the wisdom of this world. We can't find the, this in our, in, our, in our human reasoning, God. We find it when you reveal it to us through the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Thank you for that. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Every anxious feeling, every anxiety, every fear here tonight, now crushed under the weight of God's peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I really feel the Lord's just ministering that right now. Some of you are here and really struggling with that. You just... just where you are, if that's you, just lift your hands and thank Him. Just praise Him right now for His peace. Receive His peace right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Right now, there is no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Because if you're fearful, you can't think straight. You think unreasonable things. But the wisdom of God is coming to you and the peace of God is coming to you to help you know what to do, to help you figure it out, to help you walk through it. There, there is a way that you don't see right now, but God's going to show you that way. There is a way because He's the way. He's not shaken by what's going on in your life. He knows what to do. He's your solution. He's your help. So lean on Him. Lean on Him. Trust in Him. Believe Him. Believe Him. Thank you, Father, right now for now the peace and the wisdom of God. Thank you for your provision. Hallelujah. You'll do it again and again and again and again. You watch over your word to perform it. So, Lord, we choose to be like our father Abraham, to be fully persuaded that what you promised, you're also able to perform. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.